0: <laughs> and laughs Theater of the Mind The best love programs from radio's golden age Only on Zoomer Radio Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor
1: Well, thank you, and welcome to the show A little later, in a half hour, we'll hear from Jack Benny and the gang In a fun show about everybody getting together to celebrate Jack's birthday Well, we start tonight with another episode of Boston Blackie. Blackie, a jewel thief and safecracker, was the figment of the imagination of author Jack Boyle, who grew up in Chicago. The story of the creation of this character is worth a program all by itself, but here's a basic story. While working as a newspaper reporter in San Francisco, Boyle became an opium addict and was drawn into crime. He was jailed for writing bad checks. Later, convicted of robbery, Boyle was serving a term in San Quentin when he created the character of Boston Blackie. Now, have you ever thought of what it would be like to be incarcerated, locked in a cell with God knows who with for cellmates? Well, Jack Boyle didn't just sit there whiling away his time. He must have had to make a few deals with cigarettes or some other valuable item in order to get enough writing paper to jot down his stories. He wrote them under the pen name number 6066. The first four stories appeared in the American magazine. Boston Blackie stories appeared in the Red Book magazine. Can you imagine the thrill he must have experienced when he got the first confirmation from Red Book that they were going to publish his stories? So when you're listening tonight and some of the characters and dialogue rings true, there's a pretty good reason for that. The Boston Blackie radio series began June 23rd of 1944 on NBC, as a summer replacement for the Amos and Andy show, and was sponsored by RINSO. While investigating mysteries, Blackie invariably encountered harebrained police inspector Faraday, played by Maurice Tarplin, and always solved the mystery to Faraday's amazement. Initially, friction surfaced in the relationship between Blackie and Faraday, but as the series continued, Faraday recognized Blackie's talents and requested assistance. So, we go to tonight, To 47, 1947, listen to the episode, Buckley Protection.
2: Okay, blackhead, move out of the way, will you?
3: Why should I?
2: Well, you're uh, too big to squeeze by, and I want in.
3: What do you want in for?
2: I want to see the boss.
3: And I want to go to the White House and see the president. Who are you? Boston Blackie. Yeah? Yeah. Well, why didn't you say so? Come on. Oh, my name's the magic word. (laughs) Yeah, it sure is. This way.
4: Yeah. Harry? Uh huh. This guy here is Boston Blackie. He wants to see the boss. Open up. Sure thing.
2: Harry i will take you the rest of the way, Blackie. Thanks. Goodbye. Ah, you're certainly giving me a royal welcome, Harry. <coughs> sure thing. You follow me. I'll have to, or I'll get lost in here. I didn't bring the compass. You may be a good deep one to get out. <laughs> Talk tough like that on the outside, and you're the one that's gonna get lost. Now, so look.
5: Yes?
4: Forced it blackie to see you, Mr. Buckley. <coughs> oh, that's fine. Come right in, Blackie. Boss come right in. <clears throat> I heard him. That'll be all, Harry. Go back to your post. <coughs> sure thing, boss. Harry, you have a cold. Yeah, but I'll do it
2: something about it. What? Coughing. Oh. Well, Blackie, I'm glad to see you. I'm amazed to see you, Buckley. I mean, amazed at the ease with which I got in. Country hospitality, Black. You forget this is my first venture in the role of a city slicker. And it's your last too, Buckley. I know the kind of jobs you pulled upstate. I know you've come here to crack at bigger stuff. You're an awful sucker to have sent for me. Don't antagonize me, Blackie. I'm in much too good a mood for unpleasantness. You're going to be in a mood for the morgue when I get through with you, Buckley. I've got Uh, a few... uh,
6: Blackie, no fists, no gun, no nasty talk. Don't you think it's strange that I sent for you? Don't you have a notion because I'm not afraid of you or anything you can do to me? This I got to hear. All right? You see, I formed a protective agency, Blackie.
5: Mm Mm-hmm.
6: And you're the president. But just interfere in my business. Or if you don't keep Faraday off my neck, your girlfriend, Mary Wesley, will go to jail for the murder of a man named Henry Dale.
5: And
2: now back to Dick Calmer as Boston Blackie. Enemy to those who make him an enemy. Friend to those who have no friend.
7: Mary. Mary, where are you? Hi, Blackie. Sit down.
2: Oh, thanks.
7: Well, so you're still alive, or haven't you tried to see Mr. Buckley yet?
2: I've seen him all right. But somebody else is dead, so he tells me. And he tells me you killed the guy.
7: Blackie, you've been hit on the head again.
2: I've been hit right between the eyes because, according to Buckley, you hit a man named Dale with your car ten days ago.
7: Oh, no. Oh,
2: Yes. He says he and his men were following your car on a country road near Watertown.
7: Following my car? But why?
2: Mary, I know you were on vacation up there, but you accidentally picked the Buckley mob's hideout. And they thought you were up there sort of snooping around for me. Did you hit a man with your car?
7: I know, Blackie. Not that I know. Wait a minute. Did Buckley say it was on a foggy night?
2: Yes, a very foggy night. On the road by the river. Oh, Blackie, I did hit something. But I thought it was just another bump on the road. At what time?
7: I don't know. I say it was around uh, 10.30. Uh-oh.
2: It was just after 10.30 that Buckley and his boys found the man on the road. And yours was the only car ahead of them. The man wasn't dead yet, and he said he'd just been hit by a car. Where's your
7: car now? Yeah, uh, in the garage. Oh, Blackie, I'm sick. There's a dent in one of the front fenders. I had no idea how it got there. Until now. <sighs>
2: Things are getting pretty bad by the minute, aren't they? Yeah. And I think they're going to get even worse before they get better. <coughs> So you want me to tell you what made that dent in this fender, hey Blackie? You guys in the Motor Vehicle Bureau can tell those things, can't you, Will? Usually. What do you think, mate? Oh, I'm not the expert. You are, ah? What do you mean, to attest? Eh? Yeah.
8: All right, let's have a look at it.
6: Well, it's a flat dent. Looks more as if something rather heavy and flat pushed part of the fender in.
2: Heavy and flat like what?
6: Well, like a body or a sack of cement.
2: I prefer to think it was a sack of cement.
4: Well, I'll let you know. I'll have a look at it through this glass.
2: It'd please me a lot if you didn't find anything. Uh, Blackie, whose car is this? It um, it belongs to a friend of mine. Uh, find anything? Not on the fender. Now let's have a look at the bumper here. It's Mary Wesley's car, isn't it? How'd you know?
6: No, I just, just guessed Sorry, Blackie, but I'm afraid Miss Wesley's in trouble. Uh Uh-oh. What'd you find? Enough to prove without any question that this car hit someone. And I can tell by the look on your face that whoever it hit is dead.
2: That's right, Sergeant. Well,
8: I'll have to hold this car and send a report to Faraday.
2: Uh, no, wait. What for? Uh, I'll drive it down to Faraday myself. And Wills. Yeah? It's the toughest trip I'm ever going to (laughs) make.
4: There's the old guy, Harry, ready and waiting. He's going to be willing to, <coughs> willing to part with a hundred bucks.
6: Yes, gentlemen, something I can do for you. Some shirts maybe. We have a special <coughs> sailor. <but> I...
4: <coughs> Your name is Adams, right? Oh, yes. Okay, now, it says here
6: in the book that you're down for a hundred bucks a week. That's protection money. Protection money? I don't have to be protected. Who am I to be protected against? Guys like us. Well, I don't... One hundred bucks, Adams. Get it up. Get out of here. Now look,
4: Adams. You know, we got a pretty good organization. <coughs> Did you ever hear of Austin Blackie? Uh, now he's uh, president of our little company and Blackie especially wanted you to join us.
6: I don't care who wanted me to do anything. If you two don't leave at once, I'll call the police.
3: Get out or I'll call. Learn him not to make telephone calls when he's Upgrade got it. company, huh? Upgrade yeah, down. it ain't
5: right. it
4: uh, yeah. Nice, soccer. Yeah, it was all right. <laughs> well, we better work on this guy a little bit while he's out, Chuck. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Just so he knows that we mean business when we call back here tomorrow. <laughs>
3: Blackie, just because you have nothing to do doesn't mean you have to do it in my office. I've got to talk to you, uh, Faraday, my friend. I don't like the way you said that, my friend. Blackie, you want something? Yes, I want your ear for a minute. It's attached to my head. And if there's anything in my head, i toss you out of here now. Inspector, you know you like me. Now, that's news to me.
2: When did I start? The very first minute you saw me and watched me solve your first case for you. Now, look, Faraday, you've got to do me a favor. Oh, I do, huh? Yes, you do, huh? You're going to get a report from the Motor Vehicle Bureau involving Mary's car. I don't want you to do anything about it for 24 hours.
3: Now, what about your girlfriend's car?
2: Never mind about that. Just treat the report the way you do everything else when I'm not around to help you. Don't do anything about it. Blackie, are you out of your mind as usual? No, I'm trying to get something off your mind before it gets into it. Listen, I need 24 hours to explain that car.
3: Well, that's sure a long explanation. Do I get it? Well, I don't know what it is, but if you ask for 24... I'll give you 12.
2: I would have settled for
3: eight. Yeah. yeah. Homicide Faraday. Inspector, this is Browmer, 23rd Precinct. You told us to let you know when the Buckley gang started operating this
9: town. Yeah? They've started. They beat up a storekeeper named Adams a little while ago. Yeah? Tried to hold him up
4: for a hundred a week protection money.
3: Oh, they did, did they? Yes, sir. I'll take care of Buckley. Well, there's only
4: one thing more,
3: Inspector. The two thugs that beat up Adams told him Boston Blackie was president of their organization. Blackie, huh? Yes, sir. Okay, thanks. Blackie, what's going on? Where did that guy go?
2: Oh, come on, Mary. Answer in a hurry, will you? Thank you. Hello? Uh, Mary, this is Blackie. Listen fast. Yeah, okay. You were right about thinking your car hit a man while you were on vacation.
5: Help. Oh. oh,
2: Mary, yes. And it doesn't mean, necessarily, that you were driving at the time, though. Where did you have your car parked while you were away?
7: I, um, I kept it in the town garage when I wasn't using it. Why?
2: Because it's going to make it tougher to prove somebody else drove it, if somebody else did. We've got to get up to that town you were at right away.
7: Okay, well, um, I can leave right now. I was on my way to take some dresses to the cleaners. Are you free?
2: Uh-huh, I just left Faraday's office. It'll be surprised to learn. Huh? Mary, this is a beautiful frame-up somebody's pulling.
7: Oh, Blackie, I don't understand any of it.
2: Oh, no, well, you're lucky that you don't. You're going to the cleaners, huh? Well, that sounds like a good idea. I want to go too. There's a spot on the sleeve of my coat.
7: Well, uh, we'll go there together, then. Two of my dresses have spots, and they have to be
2: cleaned. Okay, each of the cleaners. Okay. It'll be relatively simple to take the spots off your dresses. What I want to do is to take you off the spot. <laughs> Sheriff said the man your car hit lived in a house down this road. You see a house, Mary? Oh,
7: not yet, Blackie. Let's go a little farther. We've got to find out something.
2: We have to find the man's family first, Mary.
7: Yeah, I know. I'm upset because the more I think about it, the more I think maybe that... Well, that bump I hit was a man.
2: It was? You're in real trouble. So am my. Was the road as foggy as it is tonight?
7: Foggier? I couldn't see a thing.
2: Yeah, that's interesting.
7: It is? Why?
2: Oh, here's a house. Huh? Yeah. Maybe this is the one we want.
7: Okay. I hope so. I have an
2: idea. It is, Mary. Apparently, there's a link between the dead man and Buckley's mob. He might have been one of them. One they wanted to get rid of.
7: Yeah, and at the same time, get rid of you through me. That's right. Oh, Blackie, they wouldn't kill one of their own men just to frame someone for murder, would they? They
2: wanted to get rid of him anyhow. Come on, let's go up the house.
7: Okay.
2: I'll get out your side.
7: Yeah, well, careful. The ground's a little muddy.
2: We're up to our necks in something worse than mud,
7: Mary. i yeah, me say that again.
2: It's long enough to find this place. It's after the time.
7: Right. Well, let's get out of this mud and into the house.
2: Keep your fingers crossed, Mary. Might still be the wrong house. Yeah,
7: I know. Yeah?
2: Good evening. Are you Martha Dale?
7: Yeah, that's me.
2: Did you have a brother named Henry Dale?
7: Yeah, I did have. Oh, Blackie, we're in luck. Had a brother, I said. You won't find him here no more. He's up in the cemetery. Yes,
2: we know, and we're very sorry. He was killed by an automobile about ten days ago, wasn't he? Yep,
7: yeah, he sure was. Always thought he would be someday, too. Never looked where he was going. What you asking for?
2: Well, we're investigating the accident. We don't think it was an accident. We think your brother was in bad company.
7: In Henry? Cons- in bad company? That's right. Not Henry. He only wandered off the farm to go fishing down by the river. Except to go to work in the garage. He didn't mix with no company at all, bad or good.
2: Worked in a garage, you say? Which one? <laughs>
7: there was only one here in town, Allen. Yeah, that's where I kept my car, Blackie. Anything the more you want from me?
2: No, no, thank you.
7: Okay, then. Guess I'll go back to bed, then. Night. Uh, Night. Night.
2: So the man who was killed worked in the garage where you kept your car. Yeah. That's something, Mary.
7: Yeah, but but what?
2: I'm not sure, but it could mean that they had to kill somebody to frame you and picked on Dale so that he couldn't tell anyone that they used your car for the job.
7: Oh, well, what about the bump I hit, Blackie?
2: Oh, the road we came over oh, was full of bumps. This is a frame up, all right, Mary, and a very beautiful one for a very big reason. What's that? There isn't any way to prove that somebody else was driving your car the night it hit and killed the garage man.
10: And now, back to Boston Blackie.
2: When Boston Blackie's friend, Mary Wesley, was on vacation, her car hit what she thought was a bump going down a dark and fog-shrouded country road. Later, it is proved that Mary's car hit and killed a man. Witness to the killing is a gangster named Buckley, or at least that's Buckley's story. Blackie is sure that Mary's been framed, but has no way of proving it. Buckley's gang, free because Blackie is trying to clear Mary, and thinking that Blackie has influenced Faraday to leave them alone, starts a shakedown racket using Boston Blackie's name. As we return to our story, Blackie is in Inspector Faraday's office.
3: Blackie, I don't care what your reason is for trying to hold me back. I'm not going to stall any longer. Your time's up. So's your number if you interfere in now, Faraday. I'll handle myself. But regardless of that car, I was supposed to uh, get a report on and didn't. What about you being with the Buckley Mob oh, and, and trying to. you know better than that. Correction, please. You don't know anything at all. Yeah, well, I know the Buckley Mob is trying to shake down every merchant in this town. If I don't stop them soon, somebody's going to get killed.
2: You won't promise to be that somebody, will you? For me?
3: I promise to have the Buckley Mob behind bars inside of 24 hours. That's what I promise, and I mean it. Mm.
2: Well, in that case, I'll help him.
3: Uh, no, thanks. All right, then I
2: won't help you. Do you know where the Buckley Mob hides out? No. Well, I do. It's so a long fire, eh? If you live long enough, maybe you'll find them. Uh, wait a minute. you know where Buckley is? Buckley and all his boys. Do I go with you or don't I?
6: Okay, you can go with me. Okay, then we'll go together. Just
2: the two of us. Why just the two of us? Buckley's smart, Inspector. you send a lot of men after him, he'll be gone before your men even get out of their cars. You'd like to send Buckley up the river, wouldn't you? You know I would. Well, let's buckle down to the job of sending Buckley up.
5: <laughs> We've really
6: shown this town how to operate, haven't we, Harry? Oh, sure thing, Mr. Buckley. Blackie's out of the way. He won't let the cops touch us until he gets his girlfriend out of a little, uh, difficulty. he will never be able to do that, Buckley. Yes, we can shake down anybody in town. <laughs> Say,
4: that cold of yours is bad. Is that medicine helping you cough? Well, yeah, a little, but I gotta run out and uh, get a new bottle. I'll
6: see you in about an hour, huh? This is a special kind, Mr. Buckley. It takes a while to make up, you know. Well, don't hurry. We've got all the time in the world to do anything we like in this town. <coughs> Why shouldn't we have? Boston Blackie is making sure the police don't bother us.
3: Hey, Blackie, if you had such a good reason for keeping me away from Buckley, why are you bringing me here now? Never mind my reason, Faraday. I can't let a mob go to work on a few thousand people just to protect one. Protect one? What are you talking about?
6: Never mind.
3: Let's have a look around for Buckley. Blackie, there's been nobody in this house for ten years. Nobody but the Buckley mob, Faraday. They're out now, but... Maybe they'll be back, and we'll be waiting for them. Oh, right here in the middle of the room, I suppose, so they can get good shots of us. No, this looks like a good place to hide right here. Uh, how do you know? I was here before, remember? No. Yeah, yeah the was, was all right. Yeah? I thought so. Okay,
2: I'm stuck in here now.
3: I'm telling you how soon they will show up. Can we cover the whole room from in from in there? I don't know. Go on in and turn around and have a look. Okay, now well, let's see. Oh, uh, I stood about
6: here. You stood over here. We could...
2: Just... <laughs> hey, Frankie, what's the idea? The idea is to get rid of you, Faraday, and it looks as if I have. Roger, let me out of here.
9: You can't handle the whole Buckley all alone.
2: The Buckleys don't live here anymore, Faraday. In fact, they never did. This is just an old empty house I looked at for a friend of mine the other day. Oh, you dumbassassers.
11: Let me out
2: of here, <laughs> I'll let you out of there, Faraday, in a few hours. Talk to yourself in the meantime. You'll get an idea of how boring only you can be. Hello? i This is Blackie.
7: Oh, yes, Blackie. Any luck?
2: A little like it. But a faraday for the time being.
7: For the time being?
2: Yes, yeah. the time being. Just long enough to get you out of this jam, yeah. if
7: I want you is right. Oh,
2: Mary, I'm convinced someone else was driving your car when it killed the garage
7: man. Oh, I hope I wasn't driving it. but... Well, you said we couldn't prove it. Listen, Mary, I
2: have a hunch. In fact, I'm full of hunches. You said there were spots on a couple of your dresses. What kind of spots were they?
7: I don't know, but they were on the left sleeve.
2: Well, uh, where'd they come
7: from? Well, I'm I'm not sure, Blackie.
2: I am. I was driving your car and got a spot on my sleeve, too. There was something on the side of the driver's seat. That's how your dresses my coat got spots on them. Mary, I want to look at those
7: dresses. Oh, but they're at the cleaners, Blackie, and I told them to rush them through. They may be cleaned already.
2: Well, let's get out of here cleaners in a hurry, Mary, because if I can find the spots on your dress, I know the address of the man who drove your car the night Dale was killed. <laughs>
3: No, Miss Wesley, the dresses are still here. The truck from the central plant hasn't shown up yet. Well, uh, let's
2: see them, will you, please? Uh, Uh, Better still, just show me one of them, the green one.
3: Yeah, sure, Blackie, just a minute. I have it right here. Blackie, what will this prove?
2: Let's say, what do I hope it will
3: prove? Uh, Here's that dress,
7: Miss Wesley. One look at the green one, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, that's the one. Uh,
2: Let's see that spot.
7: Here it is, Blackie, in the back of the left sleeve right It's going to be
6: hard to take that out, Miss Wesley.
7: Well, Blackie?
2: Sure. But if what I think is right... This spot is going to get Faraday out of a closet and you out of a jam.
3: <laughs> <coughs> oh, hello.
2: You still out here blocking doorways?
3: Oh, uh, hi, you blackie. What's the matter? Got a cold? Want in to see the boss again, huh? Yes. Can I uh, take Peter Harry like a nice boy? Sure. Come in. <laughs> i got to hold the door open for the president of our company. <coughs> Thanks. Follow me. Oh, I think I know my way, all
2: right. You better stay out here and guard the front door, huh? Oh,
3: yeah. Yeah, that's a good idea.
2: <laughs> <coughs> Hello, Mr. Harry.
4: Well, if it ain't black. <coughs> well, see, Mr. Buckley.
2: Hey. hey. Yes, I do.
4: (coughs) Okay, you follow me? Hey, you got an awful bad cough there, Black. You got a cold?
2: Uh, Yes, Yes, you know
4: how I feel, don't you? Oh, yeah, I sure do. (coughs) You know, but I just about got mine licked. Here, I I I got something that kills colds pretty quick. You try something. (coughs) Thanks. I think I will. I'll take the bottle. I like to smell the stuff. Hey, Blackie, you you, you swallow it, not inhale it. I'll tell him when he comes in. Hey, wait a minute. You're up to something,
2: Blackie, and I don't like it. Well, let's see how you like this. (laughs) Harry, that cough medicine is going to be bad medicine for you.
8: Harry. Smith.
6: Tommy. Where is everybody? Harry. Joe, somebody. What's going on here? Where are you guys? What's the matter here? Harry. Joe. Somebody, what's up? A... Hello, Buck. Huh? Oh, Blackie, hello. Where's everybody? Don't you know? You're the boss here. Yes, but... Say, didn't you see anyone when you came in? Yes, I saw them all.
2: Faraday and I saw all the boys, Buckley. One at a time. Well, where are they? Sleeping, some of them. The ones who wouldn't go quietly. And all of them are in the police wagon outside and waiting patiently for you. You're lying. Go outside and climb in the police wagon yourself and see. You want
6: your friend, Miss Wesley, to go to prison? I told you if you interfered in my affairs and didn't keep Faraday away, I'd send her to jail. Yes, I know you told me that.
2: Now, just to make things even, maybe I ought to tell you that Mary wasn't driving a car when it killed Henry Dale.
6: If she wasn't, I don't know who was. Oh, yes, you do. You
2: were riding with him at the time. Harry just told me. Harry told you? He wouldn't tell you anything like that? I'll admit he didn't want to at first, but I persuaded him. And once more, I have proof that Harry was driving Mary's car. Some of his special cough medicine spilled on the side of the driver's seat. Wait a minute, Buckley. Wait a minute. You're not going anywhere. Not until I give you an escort. Oh, yes, I am. In place of an escort,
3: maybe you'd
5: like (laughs) this.
8: Go on in, Faraday. The
3: slaughter's fine. Oh, we have to pick him up and carry him out, too, huh? Sure. If you're weak, after staying in a closet for so long, I'll carry him out myself. Uh, Don't remind me about that closet, Blackie. If you hadn't let me out three hours ago, I'd have suffocated. I'm sorry, Faraday. But it was because I locked you in
2: that, uh, you can lock these guys up.
7: Oh. I see by the papers, Blackie, where Mr. Buckley confessed that he and Harry used my car to kill that man and frame me. Oh, we had him
2: cold, Mary. The police laboratory tests showed that it was Harry's medicine that made the stain on your car upholstery. Probably some of it spilled out of his pocket when he was driving your car to kill the garage fellow. Hmm. Feel important, Mary?
7: Well, uh, it isn't often I get my name in the paper. But I'm, I'm sorry I caused you all that trouble. It was Buckley who
2: caused me what trouble I had, Mary. If he hadn't spotted you up in the country and thought you were spying for me, he wouldn't have tried to frame him.
7: No, there's one thing I don't understand, Blackie.
2: Hmm?
7: Um, Why Inspector Faraday didn't put me under arrest if you took my car to him.
2: What was the strangest thing, Mary, I I parked your car on a side street on my way to Faraday's and just couldn't remember which street it was until a while ago.
11: (laughs) My,
7: aren't you clever.
2: (laughs) Oh, Mary, the real reason Faraday didn't know about you is that Sergeant Wells, who inspected your car, is a nice guy. Yes? He gave me time to clear you before reporting to Faraday. That let me find out about Harry's cough medicine.
7: You know something, Mary? Mm, I know a lot of things. What do you have in
5: mind?
2: I only got hot on this case when I found Harry had a cold. <laughs>
1: Stay tuned for the Jack Benny Show next on Theater of the Mind. Time now for Rochester and the whole gang to organize a surprise party for the old cheapskate himself. Yes, it's the Jack Benny Show.
8: Oh. The Jello Program, starring Jack Benny, with Mary Livingston, Phil Harris, Dennis Day, and yours truly, Don Wilson. The orchestra opens a program with San Diego Serenade. <laughs> of the most significant things about Jell-O, ladies and gentlemen, is the fact that not only do many, many people serve Jell-O, but they serve it often, and the reason they serve it so frequently is because Jell-O does suggest itself for so many different occasions. For example, Jell-O is the first dessert you think of when you're pressed for time and want a quick yet delightful treat. Jell-O is the dessert you think of when there's a party to be planned, because it's so colorful and swell-tasty, and you turn to Jell-O when you want a luscious treat that's pleasantly inexpensive. Jello with its rich glowing colors and its unsurpassed flavor is the ideal answer to every dessert situation. So order a supply from your grocer tomorrow, choosing any or all of Jello's six delicious flavors, strawberry, raspberry, cherry, orange, lemon, or lime. And by the way, strawberry, raspberry, and cherry Jello now have a new improved flavor obtained by using a natural flavor base artificially enhanced. And the result is a distinctive goodness that you definitely do not want to miss. Try a glistening mold of rich, tempting jello tomorrow. By the orchestra. And now, ladies and gentlemen, last Friday the 14th, which was Valentine's Day, was also the birthday of our Master of Ceremonies, Jack Benny, who was exactly. Yes, sir. Years of age. (laughs) So tonight, we would like to reenact the events which occurred at Jack's house Friday evening. It was about 7 p.m., and a little group consisting of Jack, Mr. Billingsley, the boarder, and Mary, who had been dropped by to go to a movie, were seated around the dinner table. Let us eavesdrop, shall we?
10: Oh, boy, there's nothing like eating at home, I always say uh, Mary, pass some of those extra fancy, solid packs to tomatoes Will you?
12: Oh, stop building them up
10: Well, they're delicious Take some more
12: I'm tired of tomatoes, where's the meat?
10: It's coming Rochester, I'm taking Miss Livingston to a movie So will you please hurry with that extra choice, eastern cut, prime ribs of beef You mean that dinky little pot roast? <laughs> Never mind, bring it in. It's a pretty tough meat, it's a pretty
9: tough piece of meat, boss. I don't know if it's done yet.
10: Well, stick a fork in it.
9: I did, and I can't get it
10: out. (laughs) Well, bring it in anyway. Okay. Say, Mary, aren't these nice dishes? Lovely pattern, isn't it?
12: Yeah. Is this the set you want at the Beverly Theater?
10: (laughs) All but the soup tureen. I got that at the Oriental. (laughs) Gee, these tomatoes are good.
12: They're not seasoned enough. Uh, Pack me that sauce shaker you want at Ocean Park.
10: Here you are, and that wise guy said I couldn't break those balloons. <laughs> how uh, how are you enjoying your dinner, Mr. Billingsley? Just fine, thank you. Good, good. This watercress is delicious. Uh, those are ferns, Mr. Billingsley. You're <laughs> you're. You're eating the centerpiece there.
12: <laughs> hmm. Uh say, Jack. What? Why is Mr. Billingsley wearing that fife and drum around his neck?
10: That fife and drum? Yeah. Well, that's my fault. I told him we were having Yankee pot roast tonight. <laughs> oh, by the way, Mr. Billingsley, Miss Livingston and I are going to see a movie after dinner. Would you care to join us? No, thank you. I'm going to stay home tonight and get stiff. <laughs> Get stiff I thought you didn't drink anymore I don't, I'm going to sit in the (laughs) icebox Oh, 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 I see Here
5: you are, folks
9: Make way for the pot roast
10: Mmm, that smells good Did you get the fork out of it, Rochester? Only the handle (laughs) You mean the prongs are
9: still in the meat? Don't worry, boss I put a band-aid there so you won't bite into
10: them That's very thoughtful of you what do you want, Mary? A rare piece or an outside cut?
12: Uh, give me the Band-Aid. That looks tender.
10: <laughs> you watch out or you won't get any. Rochester, hand me the pot roast. Here you are. You think I <laughs> <laughs> Whoa,
12: whoa, whoa! Ah!
10: Whoa, my finger! The plate's kind of hot, boy! It's a fine time to tell me. Never saw such a careless... Now, where the heck is the pot roast?
12: There it is, up on the chandelier. <laughs>
10: <laughs> on the chandelier? Well, I'll be darned. It's dripping on my drum. <laughs> well, move over a little. Rochester. you're so clumsy. Now, go out in the kitchen and fix up a few cold cuts. we got to eat something. Let's take some oranges and knock down the pot roast.
5: <laughs> you can
10: get a ladder and take it down later. Now, bring in the cold cuts. How would you like some genuine, boneless, skinless, imported Norwegian sardines? Packed in virgin olive oil. Bring them in, Rocket. (laughs) Now, Mary, while we're waiting, have some more stewed tomatoes. A
12: fine meal.
10: Well, they're very good for you. They'll make you strong.
12: I'm strong enough now to walk to a restaurant.
10: (laughs) If you don't like the tomatoes, don't eat them. Will you pass the bread, please? (laughs) Here you are, Mr. Billingsley. Would you would you like some butter, too? I've never been there, but I hear it's lovely. (laughs)
5: Yes.
10: Yeah. Yeah. What? Gee, that doesn't make any sense at all. Say, Mary, I've got an idea. Why don't we go to the movie and then eat later?
12: Oh, Jack, I don't want to see Love Thy Neighbor again. (laughs) Getting so now, I can't even laugh at your love scene with Mary Martin.
10: You're not supposed to laugh at that. Hey Rochester, we're going to a movie, so never mind those sardines. I already opened them. Oh. Well you can, you can eat them. I made some fried chicken for myself. (laughs) What? Rochester, this is only Friday, and I told you we're not having that chicken until Sunday. I'm having some people over at the house. The way it's been raining lately, the house might not be here (laughs) Sunday. Oh, don't be so panicky. It is raining kind of hard, but it's nothing to worry about.
12: And why did you build an ark?
10: <laughs> I've got to have a hobby, don't I? Anyway, to hear you two talk, I think it was a regular flood or something. Well, all I know
9: is the milkman arrived on a surfboard this morning.
10: <laughs> That's Mr. Kahanamoku. He's a Hawaiian. <laughs> And another thing, I won't stand for anybody running down the California weather.
12: Quiet or I'll stick my fork in your water wings.
10: You wouldn't dare. <laughs> Sister.
12: Uh-huh.
10: Now, come on, Mary. We're going to the movie. Hey, boss, boss. What is it, Rochester? There's a big crowd of people coming up the front steps. A crowd of people?
9: Open up. Open up. Come on, open
5: up.
10: They party, Don, Dennis, and
11: Phil. Come on, kids! One, two. For and he's a jolly good
10: fellow. For he's a jolly good fellow. He's a jolly good fellow, which nobody can deny. Gee <laughs> whiz, fellas! I can't get over Come on in, take your things off. Come on, everybody! Wipe your feet. Come on! Come on! <laughs> over you guys surprising me like this. No kidding. You didn't think we'd forget your birthday, did you, Jackson? No,
8: but gosh, all this fuss. Well, believe me, Jack, you've been so darn nice to the whole gang, you're entitled to it.
11: Yeah, entitled. (laughs) (laughs) Gee, I...
10: I, I don't know what to say. I'm all choked up. This is really the last thing in the world I expected. You know, I was just sitting here getting ready to go to a movie, not even thinking about little me having a birthday party, and then you all barged in. Gee, look, fellas, I'll just run down and see my picture and be back in 84 minutes. back <laughs> Oh, yes. I'm so excited, Mary. I don't know what I'm talking about then. Say, Mr. Penny, what's that up there on the chandelier? A pot roast, Dennis. It's a long story. <laughs> but don't worry about it, kid. A pot roast on the chandelier and he tells me not to worry.
5: <laughs>
10: Forget it, will you? I'll have Rochester take it down in a few minutes to make sandwiches.
12: I just sent him to the store to buy some food.
10: Oh. Did you give him any money?
12: Uh-huh. I took three dollars out of the sugar bowl.
10: Mary, the sugar bowl is for laundry. (laughs) You want to buy groceries, you take the money out of the cookie jar.
12: I tried to, and a cobra stuck his head out.
10: (laughs) That's my East Indian burglar alarm. Say, Don, what's that you're hiding behind your back?
8: Well, Jack, uh, Mary, Dennis, Phil, and myself all chipped in and bought you a birthday present. And believe me, Jack, it comes right from the heart. A present?
10: Doggone you got You'll have me bawling in a minute. You Give it to me. I'll unwrap it. Hold it, Jackson. A speech goes with this and I'm going to make it. Well, Mr. Benny, ladies and gentlemen and members of the Minneapolis Chamber of Commerce.
5: <laughs> Minneapolis
10: Chamber of Commerce, I copied this out of a book. Forget that part. <laughs> okay, go ahead. It is with great pride or make it pride. Yeah, it is make with it great great pride. pride. Yeah. And pleasure that I
8: and my fellow colleagues, Carly, go ahead. Yes, present you with this beautiful gift as a token of our loyalty, devotion, and gastronomical appreciation. (laughs) Here you are, Jackson. Here it is, (laughs) ladies.
5: Gee
10: whiz, fellas, I know it's my birthday, but you, gosh, you you shouldn't have gone to all this. uh, Well, for heaven's sake, isn't that
3: beautiful?
10: (laughs) You like it, Jack? Oh boy, just what I needed. A bicycle pump. (laughs) Gee, with a hose and all. Uh, Which one of you heels suggested? (laughs) Well, we didn't know what to buy you, Jackson. You've got everything. Everything but a bicycle pump. Now I've got that. (laughs) Oh well. Thanks anyway, fellas. I'll wear it in good health. Rochester, there's someone at the door.
12: I told you he went out for the groceries.
10: Oh, yes, I'll answer. Probably another telegram. I've been getting them all day long. Oh, boss, it's me. Rochester, you've got a key. Why make me open the door? I just want to give you an idea what I go
5: through. (laughs) Too
10: bad about you. What'd you bring from the market? Well, I got some limes and lemons and grape juice for the punch. For the punch? Or what are we going to have to eat? Well, with the punch I make, people have been known to go for days without eating. Now, <laughs> <laughs> well, we still have to have food. If you can't find anything in the kitchen, run next door to Mr. Ronald Coleman. This is the day his cook makes popovers. Okay. Say, fellas... We'll have something to eat in a little while. In the meantime, let's play games or something. I'll call up some chorus girls and we'll play post office. That's all we need, chorus girls and no food. <laughs> Say, I'll tell you what, fellas. How about playing blind man's buff? Oh, that's
12: right. That's, right. that's right. All right, now look at, look at, look
10: at. I'll be the blind man. Who's got a handkerchief?
12: Just take off your glasses and we're all set. <laughs> <laughs>
10: oh, stop, will you? Have you got a handkerchief, Don?
8: Well, I know a better game, Jack. Let's play Jello.
10: Oh, fine.
8: How do you play it? Well, uh, I'll take a lot of boxes of jello and hide them all over the house.
10: Uh-huh.
8: And the first one that finds all six delicious flavors, strawberry, raspberry, cherry, orange, lemon, and lime. Yeah. Wins a ten dollar prize.
12: Say, that's a swell game. Yeah. Hey,
8: wait a minute, Don. Who puts up the ten
10: bucks? Well, uh, Jack, uh, it's your house. There'll be no gambling on the premise. <laughs>
9: Come on, come on, blindfold
10: me, somebody. Take it easy, Jackson. The last time we played this game, it took us two hours to get your head out of the goldfish bowl. Oh, that's right. I know a swell game,
11: Mr. Benny. It's called Clap Hands.
10: What's that? Well, you folks sit down, I'll sing a song, and when it's all over, you all clap hands. A fine yeah, game. It's a little dull, isn't it, Dennis? It's better than getting your head caught in a goldfish bowl. <laughs> well, maybe you're right. Sit down, everybody. Dennis is gonna sing for us.
12: I wanna play that game where I can win ten dollars.
10: Well, go on a quiz program and don't bother us. Go ahead, Dennis, sing something. <laughs> Rochester, there's someone at the door. Maybe it's me again. Answer that door. <laughs> sing, Dennis, he's the laziest person I ever met.
11: again, Kathleen, across the ocean wild and wide, to where your heart has ever been, since first you were my funny bride. Feel no pain. And when the fields are fresh and green.
10: It again Sunday on the program. Uh, who was at the door, Rochester? It was a special delivery, boss. I gave it to Miss Livingston. Oh. Did you give the boy a tip? How could I? You keep the tip money in the blue pot.
12: <laughs>
10: well, I would have reimbursed you later. What's the letter, Mary?
12: It's a comic valentine from New York.
10: New York, eh? Well, I have a pretty good idea who it's from. Uh, what kind of a valentine did Arsenic and old Lace send me?
12: <laughs> Read it. To uh, To a comedian. <laughs> Uh-huh. <laughs> your eyes are blue Your hair is gray And you're as dumb As Dennis Day
10: That's very funny
12: Yeah,
10: very Wait till Gets the valentine I sent him Somebody at the door Rochester How do you know I'm back with Mr. Coleman I see you standing there <laughs> Now stop eating Those popovers And answer the door Okay Doors, doors I'd like to get a job Working in a barrel That's just silly What could he do in a barrel Always oh, grumbling Hey, boss! look who's here. Well, I'll be...
9: Hey, fellas, look! Hiya, Buck! Andy!
10: (laughs) Andy Devine, we haven't seen you in six months. How did you happen to drop in? Well, Buck, I heard it was your birthday, so I thought I'd come over and surprise you. (laughs) You certainly did. How old are you, Buck? Well, Andy... (laughs) I'll never see 36 again. (laughs) Even on a clear day. (laughs) That's very cute, Andy. And where's my present? Your present? Yeah. I got two of them, Buck. Ma sent you a jug of sweet cider. Uh Uh-huh. And Pa sent you a jug of hard cider. Well, look at that. Two jugs. Which is which, Andy? There goes Pa! (laughs) Hey, look out, it's spilling it's, it's all over the floor. Quick, get me a sponge and a pillow. <laughs> get away from there, Harris. What's
8: the matter with you? Say, Andy, uh, you're putting on a little weight, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, ain't we? <laughs>
5: <laughs> wow,
10: that's settled, that's, Andy. You're pretty sharp tonight. Sit that's down at the t- table,
12: everybody. The food's
5: ready. Take it easy, take it easy.
12: The plates are all fixed. Gee, two and a half sardines apiece. And lots of popovers. Dig in, kid.
9: There's someone at the door, Rochester. I'm busy, boy.
5: Answer that
10: door. Yes, and be quick about it. Well, Andy, I'm sure glad you dropped in. I had no idea that you'd remember my birthday. As a matter of fact, I didn't... Oh, good evening. Come right in, Mr. Marshall. Yikes! Right? Holy smoke, it's Herbie! Hello,
13: everybody. Happy birthday, Jack. Well, thanks! Thank
10: well, my good... Gee whiz, Herbert Marshall at my house. Quick, Mary, phone Luella Parsons.
5: <laughs>
12: She'll never believe it.
10: Phone her anyway. Well, Bart, you're the last person in the world I expected to see on my birthday. No, Mary and I were just... Oh, I'm sorry. This is Andy Devine.
13: How do you do, Mr. Devine? I'm
10: glad to know you, Mr. Marshall. You want to buy a horse?
11: Andy, not now.
10: Oh. oh. As I decided to say, Bart, uh, Mary and I were just sitting here not even thinking of having company on my birthday.
12: Stop looking at the package in his hand. <laughs> I'm not
10: looking
13: at it. Oh, yes, yes, the uh, the package. Here you are, Jack. A little remembrance. Many happy returns, old boy. A present for me? Gee, I feel like a darn fool.
10: I, I didn't get a thing for you. you
5: know. <laughs> well, this,
13: um, this is your birthday, not Christmas.
10: Oh, yeah. Yeah, what am I thinking of? Hey, Dennis, get Mr. Marshall a chair. Gee, I'm all thumbs opening this package. Here's a chair for you, Hubert.
5: <laughs> Thanks,
10: Dennis. Yeah, I, I can't seem to get this... this. The string untied.
12: Stop shaking.
10: Well, I'm so anxious. My name is Billingsley, Mr. Marshall.
13: (laughs) Well, (laughs) I. I'm glad to know you, Mr. Billingsley. Mr. Billingsley, sit down, please.
10: (laughs) Darn this string. See, I tried to open this present. There, I got it. Well, thanks, Bart. Thanks a million. Hey, fellas, look. Look what he gave me. Look at these beautiful cuffling. I mean, <laughs> Guys. Oh, look, God gee. Fourteen carats.
12: Jeepers. He looked already. <laughs>
13: well, they're beautiful. By the way,
10: Bart, what's in that other box?
13: That's a gardenia. I I brought it for Mary.
12: Well, he's just like all the other fellas. He starts out with orchids, and now I'm down to a gardenia.
13: Quiet. <laughs> Very good, Mary. <laughs>
12: <laughs> Been better if she hadn't muffed it, Bart. <laughs> uh... <laughs>
10: <laughs> <laughs> See, I.
13: I can't. I can't get over these couplings. Thanks again, Bart. Thanks. I'm so glad you like my gift, Jack. You know, Jack. It's hard at the time to mention it, but I rather had the impression that you didn't like me.
10: I didn't like you?
13: Why, Bard? what do you mean? Well, I felt that you resented my taking over your program while you were in New York.
10: I?
5: <laughs>
10: I resented me? Listen, fellas, did I ever say one word against this gentleman?
5: <laughs>
10: did I? You see, Bart, you're wrong. I regard you as one of my best friends.
12: Ah, oh, you're full of kaplinks. <laughs>
10: Mary, smell your gardenia. Well, Bart, Bart, won't you join us at the table? Yeah, sit down, Herbie, and have some chow. Thanks, I believe I will. Now, here's a plate, Bart, all fixed.
13: Well, two and a half sardines and a biscuit. Well, it's not much. I really must apologize. Not at all. This is fun. It's like being shipwrecked. <laughs>
10: <laughs> so that's what we're having, a shipwreck party, you know. Yes, sir. Won't you have some of this punch, Bart? It's very good. Yes, have a cup, Bart.
13: My, what a beautiful punch bowl.
10: Yes, yes, it is.
13: Ronnie Coleman's, isn't it? <laughs> Yes, it is, it is. We're very dear friends, you know.
10: Oh, Rochester, bring Mr. Marshall some tea. Tea, 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 tea. (laughs) You'd like some tea, wouldn't you, Bart? Yes, thank you. Uh, How would you like it, Bart, with lemon or with irradiated, homogenized, vitamin D, evaporated milk? (laughs) You can have either one.
13: Uh, Well, Jack, I think I'll just have some extra juicy, sun-ripened lemon.
10: Oh, okay. Some tea with lemon, Rochester. Very good, sir. Hmm. Well, Andy... Andy, you never thought you were going to meet Sir Herbert Marshall at my house, did you? Uh, gosh, no. I feel like a darn fool with no shoes on.
5: <laughs> uh,
10: keep them under the table. Nobody will notice it. Uh, do, you, do you like the sardines, Bart? Well, delicious. Oh, my goodness. Sardines and you haven't got a finger bowl. Oh,
11: Rochester! Yes, yeah,
10: boys, Bring in the finger bowl! We never
9: had any! <laughs> Well, let's bring in saucer.
10: <laughs> bring him in. You'll, you'll have one in a minute, Bart.
13: By the way, Jack, what's that hanging up there on the chandelier? <laughs>
5: that's,
13: uh, that's 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 a, that's a pot roast. <laughs> a pot roast on the chandelier?
5: <laughs> uh, uh, yes.
13: Weird custom, isn't it?
10: custom, it's an accident. You see, Bart, I know it sounds fantastic, but the pot roast bounced up there, you know? Bounced? Yes, yeah, yeah. You see, here's exactly what happened. I was just having a quiet little dinner at home, not expecting anybody to drop in, and my man Rochester brought in this hot plate, see? Well, I didn't know it was hot, and I grabbed for it. You see, the pot roast was on the plate, see? And the minute my fingers touched it, I threw it up in the air. Well, that's how it happened. It sounds silly, but that's the whole point. the last number of the 20th program in the current Yellow Series, and we will be with you again next Sunday night at the same time, broadcasting from Palm Springs, California.
5: Palm Springs?
10: Yes, sir. We're all going to have a little vacation. Say, Bart, would you like to come to Palm Springs with us? I don't think I'll be able to, Jack.
13: I'm making a picture, you know.
10: Oh. Well, if you can possibly make it, look us up. We'll be staying at the Cactus Blossom Auto Corps. <laughs> so, good night,
11: folks. Good night, folks. <laughs>
1: Oh. <clears throat> Thank you for listening. Tomorrow night, it's yours truly, Johnny Dollar, followed by Don Amici, starring in The Beckersons. Thanks to Joel Schoenwell and Paul Stringer for technical support. The executive producer for Theatre of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a great night.